So I need to know this morning, how many of y'all done with winter? Man, can we just collectively agree on that, that we are done with it? Last weekend, we tried to escape to South Carolina, and it followed us. Uh, somehow, it was there before us, and I think it's still there. Some of you talked about going to Florida and found the same thing. Where is summer? Uh, we're going to see. It's coming up, and we're going to survive, uh, but about this time of year, we start getting at this place. But I'm glad you're here, and uh, I know last week, I listened to the message, and uh, Zach did an awesome job. He, he swung to the fence and knocked it out of the park. Let's give this young man a big hand. I'm telling you. Guys, we are, we are blessed. We are blessed to have uh, Zach and all of our staff, uh, Dan and Tony and Eric and, and all these guys. I'm so blessed to be able to work with these guys and uh, encourage them. These young, younger guys, all of them are younger than me. Tony looks a little bit older than me, but I got to tell you, um, he, he is younger than me, actually. So, um, that's I want to not buy a lot, right, but uh, beer doesn't help you a whole lot. Um, so guys, today we're going to continue a series that we've been in for a few weeks now, and uh, I want to talk a little bit about something that we all need and we all crave, but sometimes we run, for, run from. You know, um, several years ago, back in the early uh, 80s, there was a TV show that started, 1982 to 1993, uh, it was all about a, um, a bar where everybody knows your name and everybody's glad you came. And, and, and instantly everybody knows where the bar, what the bar's name, right? It was Cheers. And every week we kind of tuned in and we kind of felt like we were drawn in. We even remember, or I do, the names of the people on the show, which is unusual for me. I mean, there was Sam and there was Cliff and there was Norm and Coach. Uh, these guys we remember. And um, even today, the theme song of that particular show is still used uh, to advertise restaurants or bars or whatever it may be. And, and they talk about this place where everybody knows your name. And they're actually waiting for you to walk in the door. And when you walk in, everybody just kind of embraces you and you just immediately feel like you're at home, right? And while oftentimes that is used to sell a restaurant or a bar or something, they're not really selling food or alcohol. What they're selling is community. They're selling a place of acceptance and friendship and relationships and you know, that is one thing that every one of us really need in life. We long for that, and yet oddly enough, sometimes we run from that as well. You know, I think this uh, pandemic, more than anything in our lifetime, has made us more aware of our need for community because we've felt forced to run from it, to escape it, to avoid it. In some weird way, it's made us long for it, but it's also made us more fearful and more reluctant. You know, I think there's just something about community, about familiarity, about relationships, about the sense of belonging, about support and encouragement, sympathy and understanding. All those things kind of deepen our lives and they give us stability. They give us roots. They give us kind of a foundation that we live our lives on. But the community pictured on TV that we saw about even shows like The Office and Friends and maybe whatever it is, your favorite TV community, all those things are nothing compared to the community that Jesus Christ has given us and called us together to create the church. In fact, the Bible tells us that the church is so precious. While many people today undervalue uh, the church, let me remind you that Jesus died for the church. That makes the church pretty important, very important. And it makes it a very important community that we need to long for. Here's how Luke, the historian of the, ch the church, describes what the early church looked like in Acts chapter 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and miracles and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." So what we have here is kind of a snapshot. It's um, a description of what that new community that Jesus Christ came to establish, a place where there would be love, where there would be affirmation, where there would be intimacy and service and honor, a place where you can love other people because you just come to appreciate them and care for them, where you can be loved, know you're loved, a place where you can know and be known, a place where you can serve and also be served, a place where you can accept and be accepted and find a home. And you know what? All those things are characteristics that we long for. I mean, those deep emotions, those feelings that we have that we're recognized. Somebody knows our name. Somebody is looking for us. And when we're not there, we're missed. How many other places in life really are there like that? Where we can find that kind of community that we can belong to. And they bring joy and hope into life. And to be honest with you, they're necessary for us in order to live and grow and develop our spiritual life. In this study, we've been talking about after I believe. What does it take after we give our life to Christ? What are the important parts of that? And in the first week, we talked about just understanding that it doesn't happen automatically, that we have to be intentional about it. Last week, Zach did an awesome job talking about how we need to be in the Word, ground ourselves in God's Word. Today, I'm going to talk about how important the community is, the church, after we give our life to Christ, and how the church body, oddly enough, help us grow spiritually. And in doing that, I want to look back at a couple of those things I mentioned just a few moments ago, four marks of Christian community. First of all, being loving and being loved. Loving and being loved. They the Bible says they were devoted to the fellowship. The whole idea of devotion kind of has the idea of loving, right? They love the fellowship. And the word fellowship here is the Greek word. We don't use Greek a lot, but it's uh, the word koinia. And it has the idea of companionship and sharing with another person and being connected to that person, not just saying, hey, or not just being an acquaintance, but instead having a deeper relationship. You know, our first value here at Journey Church is connecting. We have three values. We value a lot of things, but we narrowed them down to three things so we can remember connecting, growing, and sharing. Our very first value is connecting because we know that we're not going to be able to grow and we're not going to be able to share until we first connect with one another and with God. It's one of the ways that we love each other, that we really develop an, uh, uh, an affinity, uh, a connection to other people. And that's the kind of love that Paul talks about. It's a uh, it's a selfless love. It's what the Bible calls an agape or a giving love. And it describes that in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And it goes on to say, this love never fails. In our world today, people use the word love so loosely. We throw it around about, we love everything. But in reality, when the Bible talks about love, it's used very differently. And in the context of the church community, it's all those things that we talked about. 
It's about patience and kindness and humility and trust and hope and joy. And we find that in the body, the collection of God's people. And in the church, we can experience the truest meaning of that because we're not just loving, but we're also being loved. We expect and we extend that love to one another. The second facet here is they were knowing and they were being known. They were knowing and being known. They were together and they had everything in common is what it says. They were so close that they knew each other's hurts. They knew each other's needs and longings and everything else. And so they, they were able to meet those needs. They shared what they had and what other people needed. Their relationships were close and honest and authentic, and they didn't hold anything back. You know, I love, and we didn't do this on purpose, but I love how this message connects to our Celebrate Recovery. And let me emphasize that once again. Our CR is a community a closer-knit community even than what we have in our larger community, but it's a place for those with any hurts and habits and hang-ups who may be looking for other people who are understanding more, maybe than general population, or people who are on the same journey or on a similar journey to healing as well. It's a place where people can be honest about their struggles. It's a place where they can deal with any issue and not be judged. And, and they said, like they said, it's not just about addiction. It's about sickness or depression or anxiety or, or, or any other issue or any hurt or grief that you might have. And you know what? I think what's interesting is that the church really was meant to be like that. It really was. Maybe that community is just a little bit more authentic because they admit there is an issue in their life or something, whereas we all have them and most of them are, are kind of, we don't want anybody that close. But that community is one where people are able to reveal who they are and know that that revelation is in safe and trusted hands, confidential, because what happens in CR stays in CR, right? But in a community like that, and in hopefully all of our communities, we show each other grace and love and support and acceptance. It's a place to be known and to know others. And then thirdly, it's a place to serve and be served. The early church community was one, and they took care of each other. They understood that there were needs within the body of Christ, that many times people who are a part of the church are more aware of their personal needs, and they're more willing to share them with others. And the Bible says in that day, they actually sold their possessions and goods, and they gave to anyone who had need. They freely gave where there was a need, and there was a mutual trust of one another in the church. You know, I want to tell you something, and I've been doing church all of my life, 61 years. I've been in full-time ministry for almost, almost 40. And I'm going to tell you, you can get hurt in church. I understand that. And anybody who's not been hurt in church has not been in church very long. Say that. We all are human and we all fail, but we have to learn how to forgive each other and recover that. But in the body of Christ, we need to learn to trust each other and we need to be trustworthy as well. But do you have a group of people in your life that really know you? that really care about you, people who are committed to your needs, people that you can trust in that way, that if you were to have a crisis this moment or this afternoon, you know exactly who you would call and you trust them and they could trust you and do the same thing. Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, wherever your need may be, we need people in our life that can do that because life's going to hit you hard. And when it does, you need to know people who care, people who can step in for you and step up for you in a huge way. And I don't know any other place in the church where that can truly be said. 
I don't know how many people I've heard down through the years who said when they went through a crisis, whether it be financial, their job, relational, health-wise, whatever it is, that would say, I don't know what I would do without my church. And to be honest, I feel sorry for people who don't have a church, who aren't willing to let the church speak into their life or be into their life in that way so that people can pray with them and, and walk with them through it. And to be honest with you, I hear those stories most whenever it's in the context of someone who's in a, a smaller group, a journey group is what we call them here, but close enough to people to be truly known. Who knows you? Who do you let people, who do you let come into your life close enough to know you and that would care about you so you could tell them and know they wouldn't tell anybody else? And then fourthly, community involves celebrating and being celebrated. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. I mean, that just gives us the idea of this joyous community because everything in their lives was perfect, right? No, no, they, they were in a, a persecuted church. They were in a poor church. They were in a minimized place. They weren't the mainstream. Christianity wasn't the main uh, religion in that day. But they came together to, to, to encourage one another. They invited people into their homes. How long since you invited somebody into your home? A couple of years, right? They understood the importance of that kind of intimacy. They shared meals together. They laughed. They cried together. They enjoyed life together with each other and the Christian community. Guys, we got to start enjoying life again. We got to start enjoying and celebrating life again. Because they were poor and persecuted and abandoned and struggling. And when they came together, life found joy and they found joy in each other. Let me ask you, do you have that kind of community in your life? I'm not saying the church is the only place you can get that. I mean, families provide that. I understand that. But the church can do that. Many of us don't have our families all that close. And we don't find that joy and celebration in life maybe anywhere else. And on top of that, the world tells us, you know, you don't need anybody. You can get through this life alone. You can do that. But if you don't bond with people in life, a part of us kind of withdraws and shrivels up and we kind of become emotionally and spiritually dysfunctional. See, to be emotionally healthy, we know that we need people in our life that are close to us. A study was done several years ago regarding human development and they observed infants to start with institutions. And they, they, they noticed in that day, and it's been several years ago, that they were in orphanages and they didn't have a lot of human contact. They didn't have parents there. And all of these babies' needs were met. They were fed well. They had dry diapers and warm clothes and medical care. But because these institutions were understaffed, only a few of those babies were actually held and talked to. And the result of the study showed that the babies who were not held had higher rates of illness, and many of them even died. They just shriveled up and died because they were not nurtured and cared for and interacted with people. And they actually lost their natural ability to even attach to other people. Their psychological development was slowed or stopped, and then they developed the inability to socialize. And that can happen to us, guys. Unfortunately, that has happened to people over the last couple of years, and it's not a healthy thing. It's not a good thing at all. And all that happens because of the lack of emotional and relational bonding. And I want to tell you, that isn't just true emotionally or physically. It's true spiritually as well. Those who try to live the spiritual life 
on, them, on their own are going to struggle. Many are not going to grow spiritually, and many are going to fall away completely. So how in the world do you experience the rewards of authentic spiritual community? How do we find this? Well, let me tell you, you have to intentionally join one. You have to do that. It doesn't happen automatically. We said one of the, the first week, one of the myths of uh, spiritual growth is that it's going to happen automatically because you give your life to Christ. It doesn't happen that way. You have to be intentional. You have to seek it out. You have, have to make commitments. In order to grow spiritually, you have to find and commit to a community of faith. You know, today, a lot of people, unlike, uh, unlike any other time in history probably, a lot of people like to be freelance Christians never really committing to a local church or a faith community, just, just being a believer, just being out there. I run into folks like this all the time, and they're not interested in any church. And it's not even the church's fault. It's just they're not interested in any church. But I want to tell you that very rarely turns out well. It rarely does. Because we need that personal commitment and connection with other people and accountability to help us be faithful and grow in our spiritual life. And that's why finding a local church to connect to and belong to is super important. It's one of the most important spiritual steps that you can take on your journey. You see, we, we believe that there is literally a journey that we are on, and that begins not just with our life, but more importantly, our spiritual journey begins with our spiritual birth. And we kind of talk about a pathway being this, being uh, begin, you begin by, you, see, you start seeking, you believe, you cross the line of faith, you belong, and then you become what God wants you to be. And so one of the biggest waypoints on your spiritual journey is belonging. And it comes after you believe. And you understand that not only are you a believer in Christ, but you're connected to the body of Christ. It's a natural progression of faith. Here's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 12. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And then Ephesians 2, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You know, these verses tell us that the church is literally a family, that God expects Christians to be members of a church family, and that a Christian without a church family is a contradiction. It's a contradiction. And, you know, I'll tell you, one of the things, obviously, through the years, church attendance has diminished over time as more people find more things to do and minimize that. And now we've got, you know, online, which is great, but it's not a good substitution. It doesn't, it doesn't take the place. But for many people, they don't understand they're starving themselves spiritually by not being with God's people. See, belonging, membership, commitment in a church matters. It matters to us. We need to know who our family is and who belongs. It also matters to you. It's important to you, even if you don't see that. Because if you see yourself as a member of a church, you're much more likely to be involved and stay faithful to Christ. It's as simple as that. It moves you into a position of committed participation. And if you're not a member of a church somewhere, we'd love to have you be a member of our church. It's a very simple process to begin and get started and there's not a bunch of hoops to, to jump through, but we want you to understand what it means to be a part of a church. You can go to our website, which is really simple. I already referred to it, and uh, fill out our connection card. Even if you've already done that this morning, you can go back and do another one. That's fine. Sometimes I do two a week, right? It's a really simple process. Fill out the virtual connect card and check, talk to a minister. You can email us. You can call us, whatever it may be to get it started. We, it's, not a, it's not a too formal a process. 
But we'll follow up with you and we'll talk about your relationship with Christ and how we can walk with you on your spiritual journey. We'll tell you about Journey Church, our history, our vision, our missions, the good, the bad, the ugly. And we'll talk about our core beliefs and help you find your place. Membership matters. It really matters there. But you know what? Even that's just the entrance into the community of faith, the spiritual community. We talked before about belonging to the church is not just like belonging to a country club. There's connection. There's interaction that that is required. Because the community of faith is a group of people who will make the biggest impact on your spiritual life. People make that. Not just belonging to something, but it's people that impact your spiritual life. Because once you start developing close spiritual relationship with people, the impact is amazing. It is amazing how we influence other people in relationships. We need people in our life who can help pull us up when we're down. I mean, there are people that I want to talk to when I'm struggling because I know they care about me and they're going to lift me up. They're going to help me get out of the the slump that I'm in. People who can serve as mentors and encouragers, and, and make us want to commit deeper and make us want to serve more, make us want to deepen our walk with God. Find any strong believer and they will give you a list of the people in their life who have influenced them, who have impacted their life down through the years or maybe in the moment. They will tell you that. I love Proverbs 27 that says, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. This means that it may be a little bit messy sometimes. You ever take a couple of pieces of iron and strike them together? They make a lot of noise, the clang, the sparks, the contact, but it keeps us sharp. And we all need that. We need people to rub up against and keep us sharp. But you know, it's not just the challenge that we need. We also need the encouragement. The encouragement. Hebrews chapter 10 says, let us consider how we must spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together because we need that connection as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We all need people who will come alongside of us and help us and help us keep going. We all need people like that in our life. When it comes to our spiritual development, we can only get so far alone, only so far by ourselves. If we don't take advantage of other believers, we're actually robbing ourselves of the help and the encouragement that they can offer and that God really wants us to have in our life. And you know, it has to go beyond just the comfortable conversations that we have, like, how you doing? Good. How about you? Good. Well, that's great. We're all good, right? But we're not all good. And we're not all, you know, doing so great in certain areas. We may look great, but we're not always doing great, right? Chuck Colson, who um, was a great Christian writer, you probably know about his his role in, in Watergate, but he became a believer and he went on to grow and deepen other believers. But he wrote about the power that accountable relationships brought into his life as he was maturing in his faith. A group of guys would get together and they would ask each other questions, tough questions, but questions men need to be asked. Men, questions like, have you been with a woman anywhere this week that might be seen as compromising? Have you seen any sexually explicit material? Have you spent adequate time in Bible study and prayer this week? Have you given priority to your family? And then the last question, I like this one, have you just lied to me? How long has it been since anybody asked you those questions, men, or women for that point? That anybody really cared enough to ask these questions because these questions, any of them can lead us to a moral fall, right? 
We all need accountability, and we all need people in our life that can do that. And if we're serious about growing spiritually, we're going to invite, and we're even going to seek that out. See, accountability is just living a life that allows other people to see inside of us and and in the inside our hearts so that they can maybe bring objective counsel and helpful challenge. And again, the idea of trust and honesty is important. So we need challenge, we need encouragement, but also the healthy community is also going to give us support. The Bible says that two people working together accomplish so much more. I think they call that synergy, I believe. It says in in Ecclesiastes 4, two people are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Guys, we need challenge and encouragement, but we also need somebody in our life who can put their arm around us and lift us up and help carry us even when we can't even stand on our own. We can't even stand when we're in times of hurt or grief or frustration or pain, whatever it may be. We just need people that can care. And I don't know anywhere like the church that can do that. I heard a story about a man named Henry Cloud. He's a Christian writer, uh, older gentleman. But he told the story one time about one of his friends who called him up one day and said, hey, could, could you have lunch with me? And he said, I've been through a lot. One of my employees has embezzled all of my money. And on top of that, my my wife has left me and taken the kids away. I mean, that's a lot to lay on somebody. But he said, "Um, I'm kind of at the end of my rope, and I just want to talk to you. So Henry agreed to meet with this man. And when he got there, he realized that it wasn't just he. It was several of the the man's other friends. And they had all come together. He had invited them to a lunch. And he addressed them, and he admitted that he was pretty desperate, kind of the end of his rope. But he said, I want to ask a favor of you. He said, would each of you be willing to sign up one day a week to have lunch with me? He says, because I know that if I can see one of you every day, I can make a comeback. And I know if I will have your support, I'm going to be okay. And so they all agreed to do that. And so they set up a calendar every day for 18 months Somebody had lunch with him. Somebody met with this man, and and within that time, he was back on his feet financially and spiritually, and he's walking strong. But it took some people in his life who were willing to do life with him, to listen to his hurt, hurt, to absorb some of his pain, to encourage him, and walk through those hard times together. Do you have anybody in your life that can do that if that were to happen to you? Let me just say this. It would be great for me to say that if you come to church you're going to automatically find that kind of connection and support. But I got to be honest with you and tell you that it won't automatically happen. Because I feel in my heart that there are people who come to church on Sunday looking for something. They've got a hurt, a longing. They're looking for something. They don't even know, maybe know what it is, but they're looking for something. Something compels them to go do that. And many times I'm afraid they walk away and don't find it. And it might even be in despair. It might even be like, well, I thought it might make a difference, but it didn't. And I think the reason for that sometime is that we all wear masks that people don't know, and we don't tell people, and what people don't tell you, you don't know. And I will say there are times when I find out later that somebody's gone through a hard time, and I don't know. I wish I knew. I wish I... No, I don't want to know everything about all of you. <laughs> but I wish I knew when you were hurting. I wish I knew when you were going to the hospital. I wish I knew when you lost a loved one. Because when there's nobody there for times like that, and we assume people know and they don't, it hurts. 
That's when we get hurt. Nobody said anything. Nobody did anything. Nobody, and nobody knew. The only way we can know is when you share those things. When you're hurting, you need to be able to share and you need to feel like you can do that and that people want to know and help you. And the church can do that. The church can do that. And there's one other thing that you need to do in some way is join a group of some sort. You need a smaller community that the, than the larger group of your church community. You need a journey group or a support group like CR or a serving group, or you need some people in your life that know you and that you know them. And that's why small groups or journey groups, as we call them, are so important, just a small group of people who get together to build relationships. And they do that. we do that around the study of the Bible, and we serve together and and what I've found is that usually in one of those groups, there's somebody that I connect with on a personal level that we share interest in. And I would talk to them, maybe not tell the whole group, but tell this one person what, struggling, what I'm struggling with. That's the value of it. And we all need that, but we have to be intentional because churches volunteer, right? Nobody forces you to do these things. Let me encourage you to do that. And by the way, if you want to just get your feet wet a little bit without committing long term... Uh, we have got groups that are going on uh, with this series. I think there's like three weeks left now, maybe, with this series that you can connect with. And you can do that by going online and a virtual card and doing that. Or this next hour at 11 o'clock, uh, Tony's going to be leading one of those groups, I think, over in the Fellowship Hall area, that you can just step into there. Just walk in there and sit down. And you can kind of experience what that might be like if you've never done that. But you know what? Our groups give us the challenge and encouragement and support that we need. And there are other perks too in the group, like blessings and opportunities that members give to each other, meal trains when a baby is born or when somebody has a, a surgery, people to walk with you through a terminal illness or a serious illness, a shared babysitting. You, you, you meet people that you trust and then they'll watch your kids while you go out and vice versa. Or a couple mentoring another couple through a difficult time in their marriage, or maybe couples becoming best friends through the group experience. And I see all those blessings and all those uh, benefits as well as spiritual growth coming out of groups. So I really want to encourage you to think and pray about that because I want those things for you. I want those things for you because I know we all are dealing with issues in life. Even the person that says, I'm good, we all got hurts in our life. This has been a rough week for some people. And you've had conflict or issues this past week that maybe you knew somebody, wish somebody knew about, that you love someone to put your, their arm around you and say, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And if you don't have that, we want to give you that. We want to give you that. And so I would encourage you to think about groups and, and value community and seek the Lord through the new community of Jesus Christ. We're going to go now to a time of response. And if you have not received... Jesus as your Lord and not accepted him, I'd love to talk to you about that, about the next step on your journey. And maybe it is the next step might be finding community with some people. Or maybe you're one of those people that I've been talking about and you say, that's me. It's been a rough week. I just want somebody to pray for me or with me. Somebody could just put their arm around me. That'd be awesome this week. Or maybe there's people in your life that you know are hurting that you want to pray for. You know, it's something I've noticed that the last few weeks that we've been able to open up this front just for prayer. Maybe you tell somebody, maybe you just come up and, you know, the Bible says that my house is to be a house of prayer. 
So maybe you want to come up and just pray with somebody or alone, whatever it may be. We want to open this up for this time as you respond. Let's do that. Let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer and then let's seek him through prayer. Lord, God, thank you for this morning. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your new community. Thank you for the church that so many people look at as only a place to go. They don't understand it's a people to belong to. So Lord, I pray this morning that we would run to you and run to your people and find the comfort and hope and joy and encouragement and challenge and support that we all all need. Lord, I pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.